Greetings and Happy New Year to my listening and viewing audience. This is Ron Stefanski with another episode of Disrupt Ed. Disrupt Ed is where we take apart this incredibly 5G-wired, technology-augmented, globally interdependent world where things are happening at rapid pace, and we try to make sense of it. So we talk to the thought leaders, the do-gooders, the passionate, persistent, the purpose-driven, and how they're coping with all this and what we might learn from them as we grow the the as we grow the disrupt ed community it's important to find people who have like experiences and can help us sort things through and today i have a really really interesting guest and one that i've had a lot of fun uh, getting acquainted with and his name is steve halt and he was formerly uh, the the head of revenue for Twitter and is now in the tech uh, space. And he brings such an amazing perspective to how to work in a disrupted world of technology and his perspective. You know, it's, it's important to know Twitter has, if you listen to the headlines, is going through some stuff, needless to say. What I find amazing about my guest, Steve, is that you don't hear any of that. He comes from such a place of gratitude about the experience that he had there. And I'm I'm guessing, you know, every day there wasn't perfect for him. But the way he's shaped uh, his experience there and helped others to have great experiences is worth listening in on. So, Steve, thank you for joining us on this show. Of course. And I um, just want to point out one minor correction as, a, as head of revenue for uh, data licensing and, and the developer platform. So even more tech skewed uh, than, than you might have thought. I'm glad to be here. To your point, nothing but gratitude um, for the, the years I got to spend there and the incredible people I got to work with. Um, one thing you mentioned was that not every day was great. And I would say that's true of any experience uh, and any life ever lived. So right. Yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, when you when you talked about the experience and we had a chance to chat immediately after your decision um, to part ways, you um, were as as gratitude filled then. That, that's what struck me is a lot of times when you talk to someone within the first week of having a job transition, they're not you know looking at the world from a rosy colored glass, and yet you know I wouldn't describe you as a, a brilliant, but you have a quiet charisma that is intoxicating. I mean, you really really are um, extraordinarily self-honest and extraordinarily optimistic about the world and um, the world of disruption. So if you were to give advice, it's the other thing I find interesting is the amount of time and care you've given to other people who are on your team who are now looking for other opportunities. I mean, you're actively engaged in their search efforts with them. And I find that uh, very noteworthy. So maybe you can talk a little bit about your own experience in going through that transition, but also how you sort this out in the world of highly disrupted technology out there. Yeah, for sure. So the first thing, the reason I was so filled with gratitude, you know, at the point of transition, if you will, and, and like anything, there, there's ups and downs, uh, but you have no choice but to move forward. And I would add to that, that I got like eight incredible years of experience with some of the smartest people on the planet. I learned uh, so much during that time, more than the past 20 years of my lifetime. So grateful for that. Stepping away from that and getting to continue to engage with those people uh, has really helped me continue to be optimistic, right? The, these are incredible people. 
to your point, they're thought leaders, they're, they're do-gooders, they're disruptors. And I have found so much happiness in, in being able to focus on others, um, which is something that has been drilled mm -hmm. into me over the last decade um, at the point, you know, that I got into sobriety, right? Which is when we focus on others, uh, it takes the focus of ourselves and our circumstances, and it just becomes that much easier to be content, happy. And, you know, this is where, Steve, this is where your bravery comes to the forefront, because I was immediately struck by your openness about your own journey towards sobriety. And you are painfully self-honest about um, where the disease uh, took part of your life and, and how, you, how you brought it back. And I find that so amazingly powerful. It's actually the, the way you've done things for yourself has equipped you to be um, a much more powerful leader in the world that's looking for good leadership. I mean, what we're reading about at various, not just tech companies, but around uh, the globe, we see companies where we still hear examples of toxic cultures and toxic bosses. And we know from the research, 80% of people leave a job because of the person that was leading them. So, you know, you're obviously have assembled these, um, these various skills. I think two of them that you pointed out that I'd like you to explore a little bit more is you're a, you're a lifelong learner. So one of the places of gratitude for you was all the learning that took place. And I think sometimes people forget that. And then the second thing is um, being other-centered. That's really apparent the minute someone talks with you. And I find that really compelling as a leader, someone that's focused on the other person. So talk about that and talk about your perspective on that a little bit for me. Yeah, we'll, we'll tackle the, the second one first, being other-centered. Uh, I think this is something you find in religions and, and philosophy around the world. And it's certainly... Explain, explain simply, uh, but, but it's definitely not easy, uh, which is like when you put others first, you'll be happier. And, and it's, it's almost contrarian. It's also plastered everywhere. It's like a huge cliche of like, you know, everything really, right? Focus on others, you'll be happy. We see it all over, you know, Instagram and the like. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just one of those things though that until you try it, it's so true, right? Uh, because you're not focused on your own problems if you're thinking about someone else, right? It, it's actually quite simple in that way, too. Uh, when we're helping someone else, we're just not worried about our own problems, right? And, right. It, and it becomes like a snowball effect, right? It, as a leader, it became addictive to me, right? Like my favorite part of my day was one-on-ones was -on with, with the people on my team, which is trying to unpack, you know, what they're opportunities are, what the obstacles to those opportunities are, and like, how do we pick them apart? How do we learn more? How do we work around them? And, and then the, the second best part was, was the following week when they, they came back with a solution, right? So helping them grow, thinking about their problems together, not solving them for them, had, had just become so rewarding that, right. that it did indeed become addicting, right? And like, it was easy to be happy if I was working with other people. And I think the same can be done if you're on frontline sales, right? Like, if you genuinely have an interest in, in helping your customers and, and you come across as authentic um, and genuine, then customers want to work with you, right? In, in other words, Absolutely. if you're not bullshitting, people want to hear your pitch, right? right. Sorry for pardon my no, friend, that's exactly I, don't, I don't know if that's okay. No, uh, we talk about, you know, people coming on the show, having a 
high GSD index, and you certainly have one, and that's the power to get shit done. And I think the way you get shit done is by moving roadblocks away. That's that's the number one thing that people want from their bosses. Help me where I'm stumbling. And uh, I think that that's a really, really uh, strong lesson to be learned here. Um, talk to me more about the fact that, you know, in some respects, the technology that's out there for those certainly in a customer-facing role has become extraordinary and at times exhaustive. And one of the things that it's led to, when you look at using platforms like uh, Salesforce to manage your, you know, your workflow as a salesperson or as an account representative, you know, that's both a blessing and a curse to many people. One of the things that I found in my own experience, I'm curious to hear yours, is that some of that, when I talk to business leaders, it occurs to me that a lot of people have experienced the pipeline management um, sort of process is something that's way more demanding, way more cutthroat than the tool or the use of the tool was ever supposed to do. So the conversations, when you look at your pipeline, uh, should be more about what you just described, right? Is helping people figure out the, the roadblocks and things like that. And in many cases, people complain that that's not the conversation they're having. Their conversation is, you know, how do we get this one in for this quarter sure. or that? Can you uh, speak to that? Yeah, I think you're right. It, that was, we'll go back to the, the, the first part of the, the previous question, and I, I think you'll, you'll see where I'm going. Um, I was a salesperson, right? 11 years ago, I was smiling and dialing. Right. Um, 10 years ago, I got sober, uh, married, and, and a new job, right? And all kind of the universe conspired to, to give me a crutch at that time. And what, what quickly happened um, was that everything and nothing changed, right? Um, I was sober. <laughs> I was trying to, to, to completely rearrange my insides um, while maintaining a job and, and being newly married. And then, of course, like life is, is just a string of, of challenges one to the next. And what I started to do is like compartmentalize and, and be able to focus in on the, the minutia of a problem. And so, for example, to your point, like your, your pipeline, tell me about your pipeline. It's like, well, you actually, I could, I could use your help, right? Um, and what I had was, was a great mentor and, and boss at the time who, who cared deeply about me and, and gave me a lot of autonomy and trusted that I was doing my best. And, and what I wanted to take from that was that we can, we can give our employees autonomy um, while also supporting them and, and helping them achieve um, a higher level of, of success. And what that comes from is the one-on-ones that, that I would, or, or where that leads to is the one-on-ones that I would have with my employees um, is, is, I understand this is your pipeline. I understand you're, you're not certain about it. Let's talk about what you've tried, right? And then let's talk about what I had tried right. when I was in your shoes. And so we, we create this list of, of uh, strategies, tactics, and, and shortcuts, right? Because my job as someone who was in those shoes and is now as the leader is to give you all the shortcuts I had uncovered over the years. It's not just to say hit your goal. It's actually to, to help you hit your goal and do whatever I can um, to make you better. And, and I think that's how you, you grow know, a culture and a company that continues to outperform expectations. Right. You're talking about the growth mindset. And for my listening and viewing audience, this is Disrupt Ed. And we're talking to an amazing disruptor here, someone who's turned his life 
uh, literally around, created a focus on other people and has enjoyed a lot of success. These meetings I've been going to with this cohort of people job searching, and there's a rolling group of people coming in there. They come to that session to be uh, energized in a positive way and to stop thinking about, well, I still don't have a job and I don't know if that one's going to come through and I don't know if I want that one, you know, and they are able to reset and realize the sky's not falling. Something's going to happen. I'm in a process. It looks a lot like dating, which I also hated, um, but I'm going to get through it and I'm going to find the right match. You know what what also helps? And and I used to, I wasn't always a, I'm not going to say I'm a, I'm a good leader, but I was, I was definitely worse um, early on in my career. And, and I hope it's maybe helpful. Maybe you could share it with, with the group. Um, but as, always, always, always widen the aperture has, has been helpful, right? So broaden your perspective at all times. Like what, what really matters? Like, yes, a job is important, but why is the job important? So you can you right. know, pay for your expenses, have a home for your family, stay together, right? Not be stressed out. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Stoics and some of the modern day influencers do this thing called negative visualization, which is like, hey, what's the worst case scenario? And, and I did this before deciding to hop into the job hunting pool with both feet. And stuff. Right. You actually shared some of that with me where you were talking about, you know, worst case scenario, we have enough money to last 13 months. And at that point, yep. we could sell yep. our house and actually have enough, you they know, for there a couple to, years. to extend it. Another yeah. year. I mean, that's negative. That's visualization at its most robust right. when you have a young growing family and a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah, but they'll be happy. Like we realize how, how little they care about how big of a house or, or what kind of car we have, right? They could, they'd rather me That's be right. around. <laughs> That's They're right. They're like, oh, you're not so, working. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> right. So to my listening and viewing audience, you might have seen a few scrapes with the technology here. We're going to show that warts and all. Our conversation continues with Stephen Halt, um, who's on his job journey in the technology world, uh, which is, as we've described, a very disrupted place these days. You know, I think one of the things that strikes me about you is your optimism. Um, the other is your tremendous self-honesty. These are traits that are compelling um, people to be around you. And I'm sure that that's what your team took away from it is that you're always, you know, just so deeply honest. I think, you know, there's a generational difference here and we may have shared this in a previous conversation, but I feel like one of the things you do um, that I'm, that I really am, you know, sort of wowed by is your self-sharing. You're confident that people accept you flaws and all, and you can share stories about uh, your past without any, um, without fear. And you just seem to me to be a fearless guy when it comes to, you know, getting true to yourself and, and being truthful with, you know, and telling a true story to others. I think that's probably one of the things that makes you very compelling uh, in the seat with customers is that they know you're a very, very straight shooter. You know, we were in a, a high stakes negotiation. I say high stakes, it was not life or death. It was, it was a big deal. Um, and <laughs> Gentleman asked me, hey, Steve, how are you doing? I said, yeah, you know, I'm okay. I've been better. And he said, you strike me as an emotionally honest person. I swear to God, that's the best compliment I've ever received from uh, a customer. Wow. Because you know what that means for your customer? It means they can trust you. And, and I think we get it. Like anyone can look up. Bingo. What's the best email to send to a, a customer? How do I 
ask consultative selling questions? How do I master the, the challenger sales model, right? And, and I've read all the books, so, so I know, like, how do I frame for power? Uh, but none of that, that matters if you just can be there in the moment and, and, you know, like have the solve for their soreness, right? The solution to their problem. And, and if you don't, you shouldn't be in that pitch, right? <laughs> right. Well, I think one of the other things that you bring to it is a certain, a certain unflappable humor. You know, in a world in which we're talking about when's the next deal doing everything else, the workplace becomes a lot less fun. And one of the other striking aspects of our conversations about the work you're doing with your team is you genuinely have fun working with other folks and, and doing the kind of work that you're doing. And that's a real beacon in my mind. We're social creatures, as the Dalai Lama says on repeat, right? And, and we spend so much time at work, even remote work, right? We're on video conferences all day. Um, I, I hope that you're with a group that you can have fun with it, that you can enjoy, that you can be honest and share with. I know that that's what I look for. Um, and, th and that's why I'm honest, right? Like I tell you who I am like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a dad. Um, I like to work out. I, I read and, and listen to a lot and I'm in recovery. And if any of that makes you uncomfortable or something you don't want to be around, like that's okay, I get it. Um, but for every one person that doesn't want to be around it, there's someone that, that finds it nice to be around, right? Or or maybe I'll be working for someone in recovery and we have, have that connection. And, and the ultimate goal and the right. reason to be honest is if someone hears this and says like, oh, like I'm, I'm, you know, maybe I should consider that path and, and maybe I'll reach out to Steve Holt on, on LinkedIn and, and see if he'd have a conversation with me. Um, and, and, you know, that, that is the reason for all of it, right. Is, is to help get other people the help they need. Well, to my listening and viewing audience, this is Disrupt Ed, where we're talking to Steve Holt about how to maintain a certain grace and comfort and serenity in these disruptive times. And you're seeing it on display. One of the things Steve shared with me during our conversation was he was hoping to look like the kind of leader that people wanted to work for. And I found that a really a really strong visualization of who he actually is. So to my listening and viewing audience, for those of you who are in the tech space, you can see that I'm talking to a really true and gifted leader. Um, what are your, you know, what do you learn from your folks that you have found helps to manage the next person or the next challenge? What are the things you've said you've learned a lot? What are the things that really strike you as well, I benefited from having this person on my team yeah. because I never did this before and I they actually changed it up for me. The benefit of managing a large team is that there's more people to learn from. So our, our org got up to about 20 people that I consider friends that I still work with and I, and I still talk to. Um, I learned everything from them. I When I was a leader of one, only one person influenced how I led, right? Um, and as that grew, they, they all changed me. Uh, every single person we meet has the ability to, to teach us something, um, be more like them, be less like them, or it's specific, specific skill. And, you know, the entire team had something I didn't and, and that I wanted. And so, right. So I would, I could pick up skills from, from all these incredible people uh, because they're better at something that, than I am. Um, I'm, I'm happy to go in, into specifics, but 
I think seeing the growth mindset in action was was life changing for me and and the people exhibiting those qualities. Um, where we had people come in who's like, you know, I didn't know if sales was for me. I'm being honest. So I took you know uh, this right. this contractor position um, on your team, and and slowly over time, that person went from I didn't know if sales was for me to being like one of the best that ever held that role. Um, and that is is inspiring because it shows that. No matter it is how old you are, like you could experience exponential growth, right? And, and the way to do that is right. to do something you haven't done before, right? Like I have lifted weights my whole life. So the growth I could experience in the next two years of lifting is like 1%, right? But the growth I could experience right. if I were to pick up tennis, right, is like 300%. And, and so we should take right. that to like all of these different things that we think could be helpful to us or others, right? Try something new. That's why I'm here on your podcast, um, knowing that like, hey, maybe I can get good at this someday or, or maybe it helps someone. Oh, you're good. <laughs> Trust me. I think you have a really good story to share here. And for my listening viewing audience, this is Steve Holt, who's joined me to talk about disruption. You know, when I thought about disruption, I started this podcast to really bring together some thought leaders that could talk about the largest trends that you know that the technology and globalization is doing in the job uh, and workforce, and what I'm finding more and more, um, and what we've learned over the past year is that we've attracted over 20,000 followers, and these are people who want to be part of the disrupt ed community. And by that I mean there are a lot of people that are sorting out some of the very same things you are, and the only way to make peace with some of those to overcome some of those challenges that we face is to do exactly what you're doing, which is to plug into the energy of others, to focus on others. And I think this is the lesson of disruption. I was asked earlier, you know, how do you uh, deliver faster results in your own role? And I thought to myself, we're building a community here. This isn't fast. We're, we're trying to stop fast. We're trying to understand fast better. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to jump into this podcast and then to move something else. I think what we're learning is that by taking a break, taking a step back and applying that growth mindset, we look at every opportunity very, very differently than we would otherwise. Yeah, no, I Steve, love that. And I, and I think to be clear though, like I think this is disrupting, right? Like the way we work together and the way we treat people and the way we lead will be disruptive. And I think we're, we're getting to a place where we're at a crossroads, right? There are still the places that that don't believe that it matters, and and there are the right. places, you know, like the up and like the huge mass New York Times bestsellers, like um, Simon Sinek, right? Like he is an influencer in this space, and and he's talking about positivity, and people are paying attention and realizing that you can go to a place and have like a great work environment, um, and people are starting to realize like, oh, like. You know, buying that that house in the suburbs isn't everything. That that car doesn't matter. Um, but spend how I spend eight hours of my day actually matters a lot, right? And, and I carry that through the rest of my life. So I think this is um, right. That's a big part. You know, when you were talking about the growth mindset, I was struck by something. I was struck by the fact that you hired someone whom you said, you know told you right up front in the interview, I'm not sure sales is for me. And you obviously had other choices to make in terms of candidates. 
what I'd like the audience and myself to understand better is what did you see in that person where you, you were the one that was taking a chance. You were the one that was putting it out there and saying, you know what? I think this is going to be good for you based on the experiences that you've shared with me and what you bring to this. And I want to take a chance and the risk with you. What prompted you to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think we talk a lot about inclusion and diversity and I had a manager and mentor who, who believed in it. And I think we all should, because the more diverse your, your thought pool is like the better thinking you get. Right. Um, if right. I hired someone with my exact same background, um, they're going to operate like I did. Um, they're going to have the same, you know, opportunities. Sure. But, but also the same challenges and, and pitfalls. Uh, versus if I hire someone, you know, with a different background, a different skill set that doesn't come from another big tech company, as we all like to recruit from, um, there, there's a chance, right? There's a non-zero chance, chance something great happens. And you also get loyalty, right? Because in a lot of ways, you're changing a life, too, which I think is, right. is the only reason to lead, right? Like, the best moments of my career, like, the highlights are saying, like, Hey, you got the promotion. Like, here's your new compensation package. Like that, like that was was the best, right? But but back to the hiring piece is like we have to to seek out and be uncomfortable even when hiring, um, and have a little bit of faith that anyone can learn it as long as you're able to detect their their desire, their their drive to to learn, right? So if that's there, it's a no brainer, um, and you get to change lives, and and usually they they end up changing your own. So. That that's why we took a chance. And it's a low risk, right? Like, it is. we're not talking about like gambling. You know, everything you have. We're talking about hiring someone who you think right. is going to be great. And if you make a mistake, what, what do we do with mistakes? Right? Like, we make them. We have to. We learn. So you know, no risk. And we fix it, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, your story reminds me. Your story reminds me. The loyalty thing is uh, a big deal. Because I, I think that a lot of the churn we see is because managers in their daily activities and the way they're operating, the way they're um, working with their teams is not inspiring. You know, loyalty is something that you inspire. I think about the first person that hired me into a sales role when I had zero sales experience. And Jack was a sales manager for 20 years and he hired me fresh out of college and he took a chance on me and um, I have called him. I was thinking about this as you were talking. I call him at the end of the year, every year on the date at which I was hired and onboarded with him because I look back and he was so instrumentally influential and I love to see that energy in you and I love to see that energy among aspiring leaders uh, to just really think about the ways you can do things for others that will have impact. And there's nothing like taking a chance on someone and believing in them when others don't or they don't themselves. That's huge. And then I, I, I said something earlier, which is like, when we focus on others, like it benefits us, right? So that's like, you know, smart selfishness, if you will, um, selfish altruism. That like that part, and he, that's not the only person that, that kind of ended up on my team um, without the experience that, that people might look for. There were a couple and they completely transformed the business, right? Like we couldn't have guessed what was going to happen, right? It, it, they didn't just 
do well in their role. Like they transformed how we ran the business. And, and so that's the upside, right? And so definitely worth the, the little bit of risk we took. That's, that's really compelling, Steve. I'm really glad that you had a lot to share. So let's check in here with Steve. Um, how do you think you did with this new experience of a podcast? I, I had fun. <laughs> Uh, that's got to count for something, <laughs> right? Uh, great way yes. to, to, to Well, I had a lot of fun with you because I think um, I'm going to think about that. I, I've had a lot of fun, and I'm going to tell you why. I think you're an amazing and dynamic leader in a very unique way. I think you are self-sharing. Your self-honesty is off the charts. I think that's one of it. I think you're just like the kind of guy you want to meet. I mean, I think back to our networking that got us together and it was through Dean Carroll, another one of my mentors uh, who was in sales management and um, you were friends with his daughter. And I, I think that connection that sparked it was just enough to, to light the fire uh, for an emerging friendship and an emerging opportunity to hear your story because so many of our disrupted community are looking for answers looking for ways to navigate through this disrupted time. And I think you've given some really great insights to it. Any last thoughts before we wrap on this, Steve? I mean, just uh, it, re rehashing that, it dawns on me on how lucky I am, right? Like chance encounters that that have the, uh, the ability to kind of be a fork in the road. You never know what changes everything, right? Like all the wrong turns led us here. Um, Dean reached out in a moment right. of support. You saw that he commented on my feet. Like, Things just can, like I said, the universe can conspire um, to benefit us, but like we, we absolutely have to keep our eyes wide open to look for like those tiny, like fractional uh, windows of opportunity because they, they close so quickly. Um, so I'm just glad I took a chance and I'm glad you took a chance. Thank well, you. I think you just reminded me that before uh, Dean introduced the two of us, I was responding to one of your uh, posts about the job transition. And I just sent a note to you that inspired you to write back and connect with me. Now, I want to share that because it, with previous guests, Leighton Cheney among them, we've talked about creating a human connection in a disrupted world. And what I found is that as the audience grows, I still want to find different ways to stay connected and stay engaged. And that's a very little thing, uh, but it's a big thing when you think about LinkedIn. Very few comments on LinkedIn. So when someone does comment, you take notice. And that sparked um, what I believe is going to be an ongoing friendship. So thank you, Steve, for joining us today. This has been another episode of Disrupt Ed. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more. I'm so grateful. Thank you.